Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Unless we are born in and raised in the presence of a holy community and under the guidance of a sheikh, we develop a set of ideas and standards other than the holy ones, other than the ones that take you to reality. And over time, as we are growing up and reach uh, young adulthood and then adulthood, these standards become our standards. And then when we run into either a wall or a dead end or a cathartic-like experience with our own standards and begin to realize that these standards don't answer our deep-rooted questions, don't resolve our deep-rooted issues, don't come to take us out of our problems within the standards that we've established for ourselves. Unless we run into some kind of real big problem, we probably stay within those standards our whole life. But for some of us, that does happen. Something happens that pushes us into the direction of trying to find someone who can give us some insight into existence, some insight into reality, some insight into truth, some insight into why we find the way we are problematic and how to resolve that. <clears throat> now, this shift um, can be difficult and can be traumatic. Uh, let's assume that the impetus to begin to look for a change occurs. And let's assume that through Allah's grace, somehow we're put into the path of someone who knows the truth and is willing to convey the truth uh, to those who come into his presence. And let's say we somehow find ourselves in front of such a person. Now, not everybody in the beginning has the capacity and or the foresight to begin to understand that they need to suspend the way they used to think. They need to suspend their system of analysis. They need to suspend the way they interact with the world for a time to learn a new way. In other words, you can't keep 
doing the same thing over and over and expect a change to come. Sometime, somehow, what's been going on has to stop in order for the change to occur. And a young man came before a wise man who he had heard talk and he said to him, after a long discourse on the truth and reality, he said to him, if I do the things that you say, I'm not going to be able to continue with my life as it was. I'm not going to be able to make my living as I was. I'm not going to be able to go on. I don't think I'll be able to survive. And he was given a rather short answer by uh, the sheikh. And the answer was, don't become a murderer and do things that are permissible. Now, this answer is the answer that's embodied in the law. And what he said to him essentially was, learn the law and follow the law. He wasn't taking him to the place of transcendence. He was taking him to the place of obedience. So before transcendence can occur, or even if an idea of transcendence can occur, an idea of obedience has to occur on some level. Now, that's very interesting because you can't move forward unless you're obedient to what is being taught. You can't maintain your old ways and enter into new ways. You can't transcend and still be involved in the way you were. So the big question comes to the following. Are you powerful enough internally to see the illogical nature of your old system and the fact that that system has to be turned around, has to be pushed aside, has to be replaced, or are you so dedicated into that old system? Are you so habituated into that old system? Are you so ingrained with all of the ways of that system that you can't alter them. It's like on the old plastic records when a groove was cut and it was a little too deep the record just keeps playing that same groove over and over and over and can't skip out of that groove. Well if you have a drive inside of you to be around that which you see is appropriate and you can't transplant your old ways, some very unique things happen. 
one of the things that happens is you integrate your old ways into your religion. And that way, you allow yourself the idea that, look, I'm here, I'm amongst that which is holy, and I'm doing what's supposed to be done. In other words, the mind takes you to thinking that your surroundings are you. Or, in other words, by going into a church, you somehow become holy. By being next to a holy person, you somehow become holy. By going into a mosque, you somehow become transcendent. The point of internal work doesn't become immediately uh, known. And the internal work that needs to be done becomes transformed into taking your present status and making that which you believe is appropriate. As a matter of fact, that which you deem appropriate. So everything that you've carried up to the time that you get to the place of realizing that you can't continue to carry it gets morphed into somehow now being appropriate because now you know the difference that there is inappropriate and appropriate so now you have to be able to label that which is inappropriate appropriate and so you can continue uh, in your old ways for instance you were an incredibly intolerant person intolerant to everybody so you join a religion and now you just become intolerant to those people who aren't in your religion but you carry your intolerance you carry the way you used to be it's just transmuted with a different coding but it's the same thing um, you were very very um, greedy um, you constantly wanted money so that gets transmuted into wanting money on behalf of causes that you now think are appropriate. Those causes may be the causes that preach intolerance. So again, you've transmuted what was going on in the old way into some new way that's still just as inappropriate, but you've colored it appropriately. And so now you can believe about yourself that you have somehow uh, become correct. There are many, many, many more examples uh, that I could give, but you can imagine them. This is a kind of rerouting that which is incorrect with the trappings of what you believe is correct yet is just as incorrect. It's like going to a costume party. Just because you wear the robes of a sheikh or the robes of a priest or the robes of a pope or the robes of an imam or the robes of any religion doesn't make you holy doesn't make you other than what you were. Robes don't make the man. 
Robes don't change what's going on inside. They're merely costumes. Just like degrees in this world don't necessarily mean um, that you know anything. Uh, many universities have grading systems where once you get into the university you are assured of graduating because they need the money to keep the schools going. There's a joke in medical school that a D in medical school eventually means MD. And you need to understand these things that <clears throat> the kind of labels and the kind of titles that the world gives to things do not necessarily have any meaning whatsoever. They just are external indications of a possibility, not necessarily a reality. The reality occurs when real change happens and when we somehow find the ability to sit still and allow ourselves to listen and not act for extended periods of time. We somehow have to do that. And if we can't do that, we can't go into the next phase. We can't change. Now, this idea of being able to stop, this idea of being able to sit still and listen, this idea of being allowing yourself to be remolded is an idea many of you may have had, but you'd be surprised how many people don't have it, how many people don't realize that there is a process. People think that these kinds of things can happen instantaneously and they believe that they have happened to them. And that's why we have, that's why we have so many avatars walking around in this world. They have a instance of being told something that sounds true and then they take it and say Allah speaks through me now or God speaks through me now and I tell the truth and they begin calling themselves prophets and they begin calling themselves wise men and they begin to proclaim the truth and that's why there are so many false prophets and so many false sayers of the truth. We need only, however, to examine ourself. And we need to do an in-depth examination. We need to understand how we were and how that which 
presents itself as exemplary and exalted is. And we need to know the difference between the two. And we need to know these in some relatively absolute terms, even though there are no absolutes as far as we are concerned. Uh, tolerance, for the most part, is something we need to be involved in continuously. And the less tolerant that we are, if we're capable of seeing our own intolerance, the less we have traveled in the appropriate direction. Love is relatively an absolute term. The more unconditional love that we have, the more we are capable of traveling in an appropriate reaction. And the more that our love is contingent on self-gratification, in other words, I love you because you do this for me, or I love that because it does that for me, the more our love is shaped in that direction, the more we are of the worldly school of thought and the worldly way of things. And the less we understand about the long-term relationship of ourselves to existence. In the American economic system, everything works on quarterly results. And even though a company may be very sound, if it's on the public market and its quarterly returns haven't been what's expected, the value of that company goes down tremendously. In other parts of the world, companies don't work the same way. In the Japanese model, it's not so much about whether they make money or lose money. It's about keeping everybody employed in the company, about keeping everyone in, 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 in the country employed, about making sure there are jobs for all the people. And if the company can do all of those things, it's a very successful company. And it can look with pride on what it's doing. Here, in the way corporations work, the employee is on the bottom rung of what's important. And the most important thing is corporate profits. Now, this is really a fine example of our own way to look at who we are. Are we successful because we meet the qualifications that the world has for us, which are we well educated, are we wealthy, do we have certain status in society, do we have certain degrees, do we have certain power in society, or are we successful because we have peace and we have tolerance and we have compassion in our being and we act appropriately. You can see really readily the difference in the attitudes 
towards what success is, towards what being correct is. And you have these competing standards going on on a continual basis. So if you're tolerant and if you're peaceful and if you have patience about things, can you withstand the slings and arrows that the world throws at you because you haven't met its standards? Or does it make you come out of your state of peacefulness to attack that which is attacking you? Do you now have to fight and become um, an enemy to the world's standards because they don't understand the true standards? Or can you leave unto Caesar what is Caesar's and pay obeisance unto God as to what is unto God? Can you make the separation? Can you find peace in the dichotomy? Can you find peace in the separation of the world and truth? Can you find peace in the circumstances that you are thrown into? Or do you have to go to war with your circumstances to create peace in an external sort of way? Or can you limit peace internally? Can you limit peace to where you are? Can you understand that you can put your voice out, but whether or not it's listened to or rejected is not up to you. It's up to Allah. You can preach the truth, but if someone doesn't take what's given, do you need to react in some kind of violent way? Or can you just go on and say what's true again at another time and place? Or even in the same time and place? And is one person listening enough? Or do you need hordes to listen? Who are we? What do we need? What makes us content? And what are we willing to give up from our past life to make the new life an appropriate life? How deep have we delved into our own motives and our own actions? How deep have we gone into who we are? Unless we make this very intense dissection of ourselves, we can't know the answers to these questions. And if we do make this intense dissection of ourselves, can we stand the smell of what went on in the past? Or once that stench comes, can we abide it long enough to wade through it and to cleanse it? This is where the real difficulties come. The difficulties don't come through simple things. They come through difficult things. They come through our worst foibles. Our worst mistakes get brought before us. Um, in the conference of the birds, the 
brothers of Joseph are brought before him and they don't know who he is. And this is prior to their entrance into the gates of reality. And they are bargaining with him to take food back to their father because there's a famine. And all of a sudden, this Egyptian prince changes from speaking Egyptian to speaking Hebrew. And the brothers realize that they're not standing before an Egyptian prince, they're standing before their brother, who is the witness to the worst crime that they've committed in their lives. And they now have to come face to face with that. Well, that moment, that overwhelming moment of the realization of the depths of depravity that we're capable of going to is whatever the worst thing we did was. And there's no question that that moment is going to come and flash before us. There's no question that that moment is going to be shown to each of us. So what can we do about it? We can be very careful about having those kinds of moments. <laughs> we can be very careful about our behavior so that those kinds of moments don't occur. We can be very careful that we watch what we do and are very conscious of what we do. When the young man said to the wise man, 